This morning, I would like to share a scripture or two for you. And you know, the whole issue that I was dealing with in my heart was about transition. Can you imagine that? Transition. You know, so, and the Lord gave me two different transitions that I would like very shortly, because my time is limited, uh, to share with you. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Everybody knows that scripture. Amen? Yes. Here is Jesus talking to the disciples, and he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait until you'll be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you're going to have this, then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the most upper part of the world. So that is one thing. In Ephesians, you know, Paul is talking about, in says, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, and he says like this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's a wonderful thing, you know, that we can see this in the New Testament. And so, like I said, you know, it is transition. And the interesting thing is the verse 9, right following that powerful 1-8, it says like this. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken away in the cloud. That's what the Bible says. And the cloud received him. Here are the disciples walking three and a half years or so, you know, with Jesus, seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. They've been taught. They've been, uh, you know, introduced to miraculous work of Jesus Christ. They've seen, you know, people being healed, people being delivered. They've seen, you know, people set free from demonic powers. They've seen all those things, you know. And Jesus gave private lesson, and he gave a lesson, you know, in corporate or in multitude way. And Jesus was doing all these things, and he told them ahead of time that this time is going to come where he's going back to the Father and he's going to ask him and he will send the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit comes, that's what is going to happen. They knew all these things. And now Jesus giving them last instruction and the Bible says, here is the transition taking place. You know, the master is checking out and disciples are left behind. So, you know, I, I can imagine that even with all the words that Jesus said to them, preparation that he had made, suddenly they found themselves a little bit discouraged. You know how it is when you hang onto someone all your life kind of thing, you know, and they're always there and they can always ask questions. They can always say, what would you do in this case? And now Jesus left. And now they're on their own. You know, there's one thing, you know, that uh, when you along someone else, you know, and you're part of the kingdom, is one thing. But when you are position, in a position of leading the kingdom, it's a different thing. Pastor Jerry, you've been along, along part of it. And now suddenly you have responsibility of leading. It's a different story. My dad was a pastor. I went to Bible colleges and schools and learned and so on. But you know, it's one thing to watch my dad being the pastor. And what he was doing is another thing. When you step in a position of the pastor and now you have to lead. It's not so easy. You know, there's a lot of things. And Pastor Jerry said, no, oh yeah, and there's issues I deal with. And there's issues that church has to deal with. You know what? <laughs> if there's people, there's going to be issues. Amen. There's going to be issues. No, there's no such thing. And sometimes, no, we get discouraged. You know, in English, we always say, take heart. Take heart. No, take courage. Take courage. Well, that's a wonderful thing, you know, when you are not in your situation. All right? 
But when you're in your situation, take courage does not sound that great, you know, and so powerful and so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we as preachers you know, we always say to people in the church when they share with us what's going on, oh, just take courage, sister. Just take courage, brother. And they say, preachers, preachers talk. This is preachers, you know. That's how they talk, you know. They don't feel and they don't think, you know, that there's validity in it. And I tell you, yeah, there is. Because you see, when you are in a sickness, when you have problems, you know, when there is financial crisis, when there are other things in your life, what do you do? What do you do? And you see, disciples of Jesus were twice in the storm that was mentioned, you know, in our talk here. Uh, storms, storms. Well, first storm, disciples of Jesus, you know, they had Jesus in the boat. Can you imagine? Jesus is in a boat, and they think they're going to drown, and they're scared, you know, and they don't know what to do, and say, oh, look at us, the water is filling the boat, we are going to drown, and suddenly one of them remembers, Jesus is in a boat. Get him. The other time, disciples in the middle of the lake, the storm is darkness, you know, it's night, you know, and the waves are getting higher and higher and higher. And now, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, that the power of God was on the side of the hills. That's where Jesus was, and the storm was in the lake. And between them, there's problem, there is, uh, uh, you know, fear, there is all kinds of things happening. And so, the Bible tells us, Jesus came now, this time not in the boat, this time on the water. And tells you one thing. The elements that threaten your life, Jesus walk on them. That means Jesus has authority. He has power over them. You will never be alone in your storm. Because any storm you're going to ever encounter in your life, Jesus will be there. And so the disciples experienced this incredible presence of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament quickly, and I will show you another transition here. It was said so many times already today. I'm just going to read it. Deuteronomy 31, 6. The word of God given to Moses, and what did God say to him? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. He was talking about people, you know, in a promised land that need to be conquered. For the Lord your God goes... With you. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Brother, this was the word of God to me six weeks ago. It's nice to have a promise. But when you look at the promised land, and then you see, you know, the Egyptians on the north and Mesopotamians on the south. Two huge enemies. And now the Bible tells us in the between, there were seven different tribes. They had seven different kings. They have 31 walled cities. I mean, they were like amazingly, amazingly powerful cities. And now here the word of God is given to him. Tell Joshua. And then we read later on, you know, uh, that God told the same thing to Joshua. So how is this man, Joshua, going to do that? You know, Joshua was not, I would say, totally mature, developed, you know, and ready to go. Man, 
You know, because he was looking at Moses. And when you see Moses, you know, like, you realize, man, you know, how do you get into the shoes of this man? Because this man spoke with God, you know, at the burning bush. It was a man who cast the rod down, you know, and it was a snake. And he picked it up again and became a rod again. He was the one who lifted the rod, you know, and towards the Red Sea and it parted. And he was the man, you know, who took the water out of the rock. I mean, miracle after miracle, power after power. And now... Joshua is, you know, kind of encouraged. He is supposed to go in and do the warfare and get those cities for the inheritance of God's people. Wow. Man, this is a huge, huge order. How are you going to do that? Well, it's interesting because then, you know, in Joshua 1.6, we read... Now this is direct word to Joshua, to the following, you know, leader after Moses. And it says there, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to you and to your ancestor. I'm going to give them to you. That's the word of the Lord. And the centrality of that is a promise, is a present, and there's a principle in it. I don't have the time, you know, to go into uh, explaining each one of those points what it means. But what is it there is this. When God gave them that kind of an order, Joshua knew one thing. I cannot do that because I don't have soldiers to fight those kings. You imagine... These vagabond people kept coming out of Egypt. I mean, what were they there? They were slaves in Egypt. What were they doing in the wilderness? They were shepherds. And now you have uh, slaves and you have uh, shepherds. And now you're supposed to war? How are you going to make war, you know, with someone who's never trained to fight? People, you know, that have absolutely no skills, abilities, nor any kind of a practice, you know, fighting a war. And now you have walled cities. And now you have those seven kings, you know, in those cities. And there is Egyptians in the part, you know, and there is other people in the South Mesopotamians, you know. And now he sees and faces enemy everywhere. There's problem, you know, there's things, you know, that are way beyond the skills, abilities, and whatever they have that they could go in and fight the war. No wonder God says to him, be strong and courageous. You know, these are two little words you know, in, in the Hebrew language that are kind of a, very interesting. If you've ever gone to Jerusalem... And at one point in time, you will see rabbis coming out. You know, they will bring Torah, and they will read certain portions of the Torah. The people of Israel will say two words, you know, that has been since then, you know, in their own vocabulary. That's what they used, you know, every single time. And those two words were, hasak amatz. Hasak amatz. That means, be strong and be courageous. Hamas, Asak, you know. And they would shout that. And that became a war cry. And so when the people of Israel were going in to fight against those kings and taking the cities, what were they doing? You know, they were intimidating the army of other, you know, tribal people and the enemy. When they were going in, they would have this cry, Hasak Amatz, Hasak Amatz, you know. And they would intimidate people and they would be running from them, you know, and they would go and annihilate them. Be strong and courageous. I want to tell you, 
If you're looking for this year and for the future to take on the promised land, God promised you many things. I've heard you know, all kinds of promises and all kinds of prophecies over the year. I have heard that, that God has given to your church. You know what? It's all good to have prophecies, all good to have promises, you know, but there's a time where we need to act upon those promises. And this is today. It's a new beginning. We're going to get into that and we're going to say as a church, Hasak Amas, Hasak Amas, we are courageous and we have power, you know, because the hell is with us. And when you do this, I I can tell you know there is no obstacle there is no problem there is no storm that you cannot overcome it none for greater is he that is in you than he is in the world we don't fight any enemy I mean sometimes people are so scared you no know, and they tell me you know I preach crusade services and we have thousands of people at the altar you know and I look over the crowd and I know one thing I cannot do anything here unless God manifests his power and his glory you know and you look over them and there is demon possessed people and they grin into your face you know and they look at you you know preacher you can't do anything you know and they are looking at me and they're kind of grinning at me and they're laughing at me and you come there and they say Hasakamas in Jesus name get out and God delivers them and God delivers them man I tell you if only the people of God would know how to mobilize and take the word of God to be true because a lot of problems, you know, we don't take the word of God as true for us. It is true in the scripture, it is true then, but maybe not true now. Because we always look at our own situation. God gave four different commands to Joshua. Two positive, two negative, all right? The positive is be strong and be courageous. And there's two other commands that he gave do not be afraid. And the next one is, do not be dismayed. If you can get this today into your heart, into your spirit, and when you're facing a need, when you're facing a problem, when there is a storm in your life, you look at the storm, you look at the sickness, you look at the disease, you look at death in, you know, with your own eyes and say, Hasak, Amats, you know, you're not going to get him down. No, I am not going to give up. I have the strength, I have encouragement, and I have power, and I am going to be victorious. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that is a powerful, powerful truth this morning to be speaking over this congregation. Because I can tell you one thing. If you're going to start living like that, there is going to be people knocking down your door Sunday after Sunday. Sunday after Sunday. They're going to come because they want to experience that kind of victorious, powerful life and the presence of God in your midst. So... Be fearless. You know, fearlessness is faith. And we need to get into that position to do so. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
There were two things that were so important on the day of Pentecost. So here are the disciples. Jesus is gone. You know, now they know we are not our own. We have to do everything all by ourselves because he's gone now. But, you know, there is a promise. I mean, Jesus didn't have a worship team. He didn't have an office. He didn't have a finances straightened out. He didn't have a, a sanctuary. He didn't have anything. Jesus left only the disciples with a promise. In one of the churches I was preaching not too long ago in Europe, you know, I say, what would happen if we would have no more choir, orchestras, we would have no more worship teams, we would no more have any kind of a thing. You know, you would come to church on Sunday morning and you will be here and teaching and preaching the whole time and then go home again. You know, people will be looking for another church. You know, we are so used to... And I'm not, I'm not talking that we shouldn't have worship and praise. You don't want to misunderstand me. I'm just saying, though, that we lean so much on those things, though, that when we don't have what we want to have, then we are looking someplace else to get what we want. You know what we want? We want Jesus here. We want Jesus manifesting himself. We want to see the power of God revealed. We want to see the presence of God revealed here. Don't go and look for other churches. Go to Jesus. Go to God and let him fill you with the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Man, you don't need another church. You need another wonderful experience with God. I know what it feels like sometimes, you know, when you have a church, you know, and you're doing all best, you preach your heart out, and you do all these things, you know, and suddenly you realize there's one family gone, and there's another family gone, and there's this happening, and there's that happening, and you, you stand there, like, almost like you feel, you know, I'm being defeated, you know, I thought, you know, I have it all together, and I'm preaching, you know, and I'm doing all these things, and then you see some people left here, or people left there, and you wonder, why did they leave here, you know, and I realize, you know what, I am not going to be diverted. I am not going to be, you know, stray away from what the purposes of God in my life. I'm just going to preach and allow God to be God, and we're going to see what happens. And the salvation of the Lord came to us. Be encouraged. Because God is with you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And here's the Pentecost. Two things they received. The power and the fire. You know, I'm teaching evangelism class right now at AYC. Too bad everybody should be there. I can tell you not because of me and not because I'm a teacher. I will just tell you, you know, every one of you should have been there, you know, because I see, you know, that in most churches, we travel 40 countries of the world. And I can tell you that in most churches, 86% of people in the church are not involved in personal evangelism. Oh, that's for the pastors. You know, we pay them. They should do evangelism, you know. That's why they are there. What are they doing all week long, you know? So, you know, they feel like, you know, we are paying someone to do evangelism for us. You are not doing evangelism for me. Every one of us needs to be a witness. We need to be an evangelist. We need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because there's needs out there. There's people who need answers. You know, there's things like this. But why are we not going out? Why are we not doing it? You know why? Because one thing lacks in our life, and that is the fact fire of the Holy Spirit. It was the fire of the Holy Spirit in the heart of disciples that could not keep them there. You know, they go out and Peter begin to preach. And can you imagine this 
Peter who denied Jesus not too long before then. You know, this Peter is now getting up on the day of Pentecost, full of the power of the Holy Spirit and full of the fire of God in his heart. And he begins to preach. And the Bible says they baptized 3,000 souls that were added to the kingdom of God. We go to churches where there is revival. We go to churches where the spirit manifests in a powerful, powerful way. You know, they have baptism service every single month. They have baptized two, three hundred, sometimes five hundred people in one month. They baptize. No, it's a powerful move of God. Salvations are taking place. People are being delivered. You know, demons are being cast out. Why? Because these people are on fire for God. And if I can wish you anything on this day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit, fill us with your fire. That our hearts may burn for you. That you know, any agenda that we have in our life would burn out, you know, and the will of God and the purposes of God would be reestablished in our life. You know, I said to my students, you know, in one of the classes, I say, you know what, if every member of the church would take one evening out and would fast and pray and say, God, where do you want me to witness? And they would go, it would happen. And you know, just this morning, we received, or last night, I don't know exactly, no, was it last night? Yeah, last night. Last night, one of the students, you know, uh, wrote us uh, an email and said, you know what? I went out and I was witnessing and the person received the Lord. I can see my students getting on fire for Jesus. I can tell you, you know, they're becoming witnesses. There is power and there is anointing and there is fire burning in the hearts. You know? And that's what Pentecost is all about. And these disciples, the Bible tells us, they refused to be in the tradition. They did not want to continue or perpetuate the same. They wanted to see God do a new thing. And you know, I found out in all of the churches around the world, God is doing a new thing. If you don't have a, or don't want to have a new thing, you're in the wrong kingdom. Because God says, I am doing a new thing. And before Jesus comes back, I can tell you, and there's going to be new thing happening where people are going to have a wonderful, wonderful experiences of that new beginnings that God gives them. Disciples went out, you know, and they were going through political frontiers. They were going through intellectual frontiers. They were going through racial frontiers. Whatever frontiers they were facing, you know, they penetrated and brought the gospel of Jesus Christ and saw the salvation and miracles, signs and wonders in their ministry. And my prayer for you today is, God, honor what has happened here. God, keep honoring what has happened in the past. Transition is only as good as God is in it. And I know we believe God is in it. And so, you know, we are going to believe, you know, the continuation of the powerful ministry that Pastor Henry had, you know, in the past will continue through his work. You know, you, you know what? You can do whatever you want to do. You can change your positions. You know, I can tell you one thing. What God started, he will continue. Amen? He will continue. You know, I was in one of the churches. I, I, I'm going to close with this. One of the churches. 
And that student, you know, he got all excited about new things, you know, new kind of a, a, a trend that is going on. So when he finished four years of Bible college and came home, you know, the pastor, the older pastor, he thought, no, well, you know, he has studied now and he has all the wonderful things. So I'm just going to give him, you know, the opportunity to take over the church and run the church. Well, he didn't know that what's going to happen next Sunday. A young man came to the church, you know, and cleaned out the pulpit in a way, you know, that's old-fashioned, you know, we don't need a pulpit, we don't need this, we don't need that, you know. They were taking all the stuff out, you know, and changing everything. And the next uh, Sunday, half of the church was there. And then he was shocked. He says, well, how in the world can that happen, you know, like what happened, you know. Now, why are people not here? You know why? Because he has removed the foundation. He has removed the foundation. The new thing never, ever removes the foundation that has been built already. We need to build on the foundation. Amen? And if you're going to do this, Pastor Jack, I can tell you their success is guaranteed. Because you see, when you built on the foundation that God already laid for this church and the wonderful things have happened through the past years, you know, of ministry here, I can tell you it can only grow bigger and power, more powerful. And that's what the desire of God is. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I pray that all that we have experienced here, those two transitions we see by way of disciples when they receive the Holy Spirit and the fire of God. In the Old Testament, as Joshua received those encouraging words, Hasak Amas. Lord, we want to practice this. We want to be there. If we are going to face troubles, we are going to face uh, uh, things and situations, circumstances in our life that seem to be overwhelming. We are going to stand on the foundation of the promises and we are going to speak into this situation. Hasak Amas. And we're going to walk away with victory. Because you say you will never leave us nor forsake us. And so this morning I declare your blessing over this church. I declare a new blessing of the leadership that is incoming. And we especially want to bless Dr. Ramaya, Henry Pillai. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless him today. We bless his family today. In the name of Jesus, I speak blessings over his life that he's going to see the greatest things yet to happen. Fill him this morning, Lord, with a brand new fire, brand new encouragement, a brand new power, a brand new vision, a brand new message, oh God. Send him to the nations that he is going to declare the wonderful works of God and see the harvest like never before. So we blessed him and his family in Jesus' name for all that you have done, that your name may be glorified. Amen. Amen. God bless you.